Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Adoption Hacks. I'm your host, Candace Laycock. Today on the show, we are going to be discussing the topic of post-adoption depression. And here to discuss that topic is Brianna Stone. Brianna is somebody who experiences herself and then uh, did some digging and some counseling to learn more about this mental health issue and how to help other parents through it. Uh, This is becoming more normal to talk about, but it's still not common enough that it's in all home study trainings or all education resources for adopting parents. So we wanted to bring some more awareness to it, talk about um, some science behind it, some education, some resources, some really super, super practical tips to help yourself through this if you're in the middle of it, be prepared for it if you're getting ready to adopt, and also how to help other people, how to spot other parents who are experiencing this and what to do to come alongside them. So please enjoy this episode. Welcome, Brianna. Thank you. I'm so, I'm just so happy to chat with you and I'm so happy to talk about post-adoption, mental health, post-adoption depression. I feel like it's not discussed. I was definitely not educated on it. And um, I hope that, I hope that we can all learn something today because I have a lot to learn about this too. So it'll be good to chat. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Brian and I were just talking before the show and there's a lot of topics I want to talk to her about. Um, but today, I, yeah, I just want to focus on um, on this subject, but I want to uh, know a little bit more about you and your story. So would you tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my husband and I have been married for five years. Um, we met when we were doing our undergraduate um, degrees. Um, we went to a little school called BYU-Idaho in Rexburg, Idaho, and met there. Um, and... Married for five years, we, um, my husband's kind of on medical school journey right now. He starts year three um, in just a a few weeks. So he's in the in-between of taking medical board exams. And um, we've been about four years deep in that, but we're in year three of school. So um, that's definitely been a wild ride for us. But um, we... We always knew that we wanted to adopt. We, when we first got married, we had spent a couple weeks in Guatemala, and um, my husband had served um, a mission there for um, our church and was there for a couple of years, and we went back when we got married, and um, we, just, we just loved it there, and there was such um, a need for an adoption program there back then, and still now Guatemala is closed. But that was kind of our plan. We would have a few years of being married. And once we got into medical school, we would probably look into adoption or have, have a couple biological kids. We didn't really know. Our, our, our plan was, though, that we wanted to adopt. And that was always on our hearts. Um, after um, about four years of trying to have biological children, we decided, well, this, this might just be our cue to adopt. I mean, we... The big reason why we didn't start adoption at the very beginning is just the cost. We had no money. We were newlyweds just out of college, just starting this medical degree and really weren't sure that we could swing it financially. Um, We're in Utah and luckily private adoption um, was an option for us. We got some education and learned about that um, and jumped in with two feet and um, probably 
let's think timeline wise, a couple months after we had announced that we were hoping to adopt, we matched with our daughter now her, her, her birth family, um, and then took her home eight months later. So definitely, definitely a quick process for us, but something that was really incredible and meant to be for our family. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about once you, once she was home with you, what was that like that transition home? You know, transition into motherhood was something that I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I had just spent the past four years, um, wanting to have a family so desperately, um, grew up when my teachers would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And that was just my plan. And, um, the transition into motherhood was way different than I thought it was going to be. Um, I definitely knew, I mean, I saw, I saw my sister, have a baby and friends were having kids. So I definitely knew a little bit of what I was getting into, but not, not fully. And it was definitely a happy, great time, but it was also a time of you almost mourn the life that you had before. And you look back and I so proud of myself for making it through the adoption process and having this child here with us and making it finally like getting to that end moment and being so, so happy. But also that's when my mental health really took a turn. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about four, probably about a month after we brought Nora home, those four weeks were just like the happy adrenaline rush. You were well rested, well fed, doing so great. And then, you know, the sleep deprivation kicks in and, you know, things happen and things change. So it was definitely the happiest moment of my life to bring our daughter home. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also don't think it's right to paint the picture for everyone um, that when they bring a child home, whether it's biological or through adoption, um, it's not always what you expect and what all the sunshine and rainbows that everyone says it is. I know. I remember talking to a friend of mine who had a biological child and she was like the first of our friend group to have a baby. And mm-hmm. so we were all like, you know, what's it, what was it like? Like the first moment you saw him and, and she's like, it, I, my entire life, I saw movies and heard stories and everything about this beautiful moment when you see your child for the first time and you just fall in love and your heart grows. And she was like, I just saw a a little, yeah, a little baby. I know like connection (laughs) immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, and she was so disappointed. She was like, what is wrong with me? Why don't I feel like I, I just so expected to feel that when I didn't. And then, you know, that love grew and it, but it was like, I think we put so much pressure, especially on those like beginning moments to like, it's, you know, instant love. And I think a lot of people can look back and paint that picture, paint that imagery like over um, mm-hmm. to be the, the like happy, smiley, connected moments. And it's, it's right. not, and it, I'm sure it is for some people, but it's not for everybody and that's okay. Absolutely. And I think that's like the key thing though to say is it's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. for us, when we met our daughter, I did have that instant thought, okay, this is my child. Mm-hmm. 
maybe not what a biological parent would experience, but I knew for sure that this was my child and that I could do it. And really, I mean, it took a couple weeks for me to like realize, okay, what have I done? Like, this is not my child. I mean, yes, it is my child. And I felt like she was, but she wasn't biologically mine. I didn't have nine months to carry her and to learn about her. And it's just, it's, it's different. It's different. And I think whether it's a biological or adopted child, it's, it's just a different experience. Okay. At what point did you realize you might have post-adoption depression? I think, um, I've been very fortunate my entire life to not struggle with my mental health. So this, this came on very quickly and very unexpectedly for me. And I didn't know what was happening. Um, and so I think it's important to to, to note too, that, um, post-adoption depression and the severity of it, um, is different from clinical depressive disorder. I mean, I think depending on your health history and everything else, there's different kinds and post-adoption depression can come in many forms. But for me, um, I was very uneducated. I had never heard about it before and wasn't expecting it. So I think for me, when I noticed probably about a month after um, bringing our baby home, I noticed that when I would sleep, when I was so exhausted, when I would sleep, I would wake up and I would be even more exhausted than I was when I went to bed and I couldn't catch up. It wasn't just that I had lost sleep and then I would take a nap and I'd wake up feeling good. I'd wake up feeling worse. So, um, there were a few physical signs. That was one of them. Another physical sign is I didn't want to eat and I wasn't hungry. I was losing my appetite. I wasn't sleeping. Um, I was irritable, like irrationally, um, irrationally cranky with my husband Mm -hmm. when he would do nothing wrong. Just, just, just things would come out of my mouth. And I, right after I said them, I would think that's not me. Why did I just say that? Like something's, something's wrong. And then the thoughts of, okay, something's wrong with me. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm angry. I'm awful to my husband. And I would start to have the biggest sign for me was I would get these really awful, dark, scary thoughts of, I would wake up and have so much anxiety that my baby one was alive (laughs) because I was so irrationally afraid of her dying in the night or SIDS. So then I put Destodrome. I mean, there were so many things I was irrationally having anxiety over but then I would have these dark thoughts of, gosh, I hope I go to sleep and I wake up and all of this is over. Mm-hmm. And I knew when I had those thoughts that something was wrong because yeah. I would have these thoughts and then I would have waves of feeling really good and waves of feeling, okay, like I can do this. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a first time mom, but I've got this. And then I would have really dark moments. And I never experienced that before. I never experienced depression or these dark thoughts or dark moments. And when I would have those, the guilt would set in. I'd, I would look back and think, gosh, I have waited years and spent so much time and money and preparation to bring this child into my home. How dare I think I'm not capable of like parenting this child? I just promised all my caseworkers and lawyers, and especially this birth family, that I would not just be a good mom, but that I would be an exceptional mom. 
and I would have it all together. And my expectations for myself were so extremely high Mm -hmm. that when I didn't meet them, I hated myself for it. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of these signs came together and I thought something's wrong. Something's wrong with my brain. Something's wrong with me. And not not just that I felt that something was wrong with me as a person, but I, but mentally I knew something was wrong because I would look back and see how irrational I was being or how, um, how what I was doing and what I was saying was just an expression of me feeling inadequate and dark and scary and gloomy. And so, um, it took me some time, but all of those thoughts were totally irrational and totally not who I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I finally came to and realized that something might be wrong, I did it. I just dove into the research and figured out that it really was a thing. So, yeah. Had you ever, before this, had you ever heard uh, anybody mention post-adoption mental health or depression? I definitely, during our adoption education, during our home study, there was definitely topics and thoughts and books and things that I had read about just your mental health after adopting, because it's such an emotional marathon. It's such a rigorous thing to adopt. I mean, to go through that emotionally and mentally. So I definitely had learned about um, how you may not um, have an emotional connection with your baby and things like that, like things that had to do with the baby, like things that had to do with your connection with your child or, um, birth parent guilt and things like that. Definitely. I definitely been educated on that, but I never heard about post-adoption depression that had to do with a mom, like, like postpartum depression. That was so out of my mind because I biologically didn't carry that child. I bought, I I biologically wasn't having those hormone changes. Um, like a physical change. I was having those hormone changes because I was connecting with this child and serotonin and everything else kicks in just because it becomes your baby, but never would I thought that it would be postpartum depression thoughts that would also go hand in hand with post-adoption depression. Yeah. And why do you think that adoptive moms can feel this way and not just birth moms? You know, I think, um, when I, when I dove into the research, um, I was reading how just like the chemical changes that happen with, um, a birth parent, some of those chemical changes happen with adoptive parents, whether it's mom or dad. And I think that that is one small part of it. But I think too, like I said before, just the emotional and mental stress of the adoption process is so hard. And I think, um, not very many people outside of the adoption world are very educated on that. And so they don't, they don't know. They don't know how to help. They don't know how to um, help someone navigate that when it's just a friend that has adopted a child. But um, I think too, so much of it is just the pressure to be good enough. And I think too, like I said before, we spend months and months and even years proving um, 
to expectant families and caseworkers and lawyers and adoption agencies that we are going to be amazing parents and that we have our life together. We have our home together. We have our marriage together. Everything is perfect when reality it's not And home studies and all of those interviews. I mean, it's pretty clear that we aren't perfect. We aren't perfect families, but for me as a mom, and as an individual, I believed I had it together. I believed that, that I was going to be a, a fantastic mom. And I know that now, and I believe that about myself now, but when um, it comes down to it and you don't know what to do to help your screaming baby that's been crying for eight hours and you don't know what to do and you're sleep deprived and you haven't eaten in two days and you haven't showered and you're mentally, you mentally just went through a marathon and now you're mentally going through another marathon with your child. Um, I think things change, things change in your brain, chemicals change in your brain, your thought processes change. Um, and it's, it's surprising how easily these, um, dark days or baby blues kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's so much pressure too. There's so much pressure on you to, um, to do it right. And to show your friends and family that you finally made it, you finally have this child and you can do it and you're going to do it. And, um, I think that's when that guilt can come into it too. You know, feeling the guilt of I'm trying to so hard, but mentally I'm just not, I'm just not here and I'm not doing it. So yeah, that like guilt that nobody else necessarily is putting on us, but just like, you should be so happy. You finally got what you been wanting and working towards. Mm -hmm. I never thought about that though, about having to prove ourselves that we spend, you know, a year or however long proving ourselves to be good parents. I never thought about the aspect that, that has to play into that too, that we train, you know, we did all this training, like of all the parents that happen, adoptive parents should be the most prepared or the most. Well, and we're educated. I mean, we go through a bazillion hours of education. Like how could you not be ready for this? You know, but then, but, but that's just it is you have that expectation for yourself then too. It's like, how could you not be ready? You waited however many years to have a family and then you're faced with this child. And it's like, how can you even have these thoughts? What's wrong with you? And that's a question that I, I would ask myself is what's wrong with you? Like, like, why, like, why can't you just be grateful? And why can't you just be happy? And I don't know. It's crazy. It's that's crazy. Not like the guilt is like a, like a downward spiral because then you're like feeling guilty. Like you feel bad and then you're feeling guilty about feeling bad. And then you're feeling guilty about feeling guilty. And it's just like, it's- and all the time. All the while, your baby is fed and sleeping and fine <laughs> and doing great. And maybe your husband is too, or your partner is too, but you're not. And everyone else is taking care of, and you're just, and you're not. Yeah. I think another factor that can play into it with, um, that separates adoptive parents is that we, there's a lot of time, not always, but there's a lot of times years of behind the scenes that play into it too it's not just like um you know you got pregnant and you know now you're dealing with this aftermath but it's like you know four or five years sometimes of infertility and miscarriages or failed um adoptions or whatever the case may be but there's so much 
background sometimes. It just kind of compounds into like, I went through all of this and now I'm here and I feel like this. <laughs> like this is what I got myself into. Well, and that's interesting that you bring that up. And I'll have to send you this study um, because it says in part of the abstract that, that it talks about those who have experienced failed adoptions or any type of infertility, whether that's failed IVF, miscarriage, sober, mm-hmm. whatever it is, those who have experienced that have a much higher risk of having post-adoption depression. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense for us. We had, we had um, five pregnancies and six babies. Our first was mm-hmm. twins. And it was, it was all of that grief and all of that, all of those emotions and all of those experiences compounding into one moment of being handed this child that is now yours. And you're so, there's just so much joy and so much happiness, mm-hmm. but that grief and those experiences don't go away. And one thing that um, I really appreciate too with our adoption education has been um, for those that have experienced loss, that's a huge, that's a huge part of our education is, you know, meeting with a counselor or getting whatever help you need to work through that before you do adopt, because that, that, that stuff never goes away. It's always there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's huge too. You have to process that that grief before you can, because you, what you don't want to do is get that new baby and, or that new child and, and be dealing with your own grief. Then you want to be able to like be available for them and be healthy. And I think too, it, I mean, I mean, even now that's, 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 I mean, those experiences are still with me and I still, and I still think about those kids and still think about, all of those losses, but in a healthy way and not in the way of, Oh, I'm grieving to the point where I can't function anymore or whatever it is. But my mental health had to be at a certain point. At least I felt, I felt responsible and a responsibility to this new child that we would bring into our home. I felt that I had to be ready and emotionally healthy um, before we brought this new baby. And I, and I definitely think I was, Mm-hmm. And then you bring a new baby into your home and you have to start over. It's, it's, it's just different. You don't have to start over. It's just, it's, it's, it's just different. Yeah, totally different than losing a child to, to miscarriage. Um, but with, when our India program, when we left our India program, I wasn't, I couldn't just go from one to a new thing and start all over. I knew that, I mean, I could have, but I knew that I was my, mental health would have struggled during that because I needed to come to terms with it being over because that was my dream. That was my expectation. That's what I thought my family was going to be. And I had to sort of deal with that and not just put it under the rug and start a new process. Right. I would have had to deal with it eventually. And I knew I needed to deal with it right out of the gates. And like you said, like it's still something I'm sad about, but, and it's still something I think about, but, but I processed it enough where I felt like I was healthy enough to, to move forward. But that is so important. Mm-hmm. So, so important. That mental health, just in every part, just mental health in general. I mean, looking back on this too, it's not just post-adoption depression. It's just mental health for parenting, you know, just in general. It's so important. Yeah. 
And I do see a lot of, like, it seems like there are, like, things are changing. And I hope it's with, like, um, the adopter world, like, recognizing post-adoption issues more. Um, I know when we started Saja's adoption in 2016, there was nothing in our training about that. Um, and then when we did our India home study, there's nothing in our training about that. But then for our Thailand home study, there like one of our required training thing was about post-adoption depression. And so that's awesome. I love yeah, that. I know. I was really like proud to see that and just happy that parents are getting that resource. That's amazing. And one thing too, that I thought about is, I mean, for Utah, we have post-placement visits mm-hmm. and I definitely look back on those and think I, I wish I would have said something mm-hmm. because I wasn't fearful that if I expressed how I really felt that they would take like our baby away. It wasn't that there was no fear. There was just this idea and this thought of, well, I mean, my baby is healthy. My baby is happy. My baby is growing and doing so awesome. And just because I'm not doesn't mean that I'm not well connected with my child and everything else. Just, I mean, I think you just rationalize it. And I think for a lot of people, it's important that you do go get help because it could be a lot worse. And maybe you aren't taking care of your baby. Maybe you're not mentally healthy enough and well enough to do that. And so that's why these post-placement visits are so important. And I see that, but also my, like the expectation for myself was suck it up. Like you're Mm -hmm. like, your baby's doing great you're going to get through this dark period and you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even mention it because no one asked, <laughs> no one asked me. And I didn't even think, I mean, by that time, I didn't even know that this was something that was happening to me. So I know. So interesting. Education is so important. <laughs> yeah. And those, so I mean, those social workers are there to get you resources. So they're the perfect person. I remember that too. I was so, afraid to just be real. And, you know, I felt like, oh, you just want to hear their height and weight and that they're happy or whatever, but they're, they're there for you to resource you and to point you into, you know, maybe you should talk to a therapist or, you know, they're there to give you those, those people who could be helpful. So Mm -hmm. totally utilize that more, I think. (laughs) Um, Okay. So what helped you during that time? So as I was thinking about this and going back into my journals and talking to my husband, um, my husband really was the one that pointed out to me that maybe post-adoption depression was a thing. Mm -hmm. So after, um, some time, I think it was a month or two, I finally just told my husband, he knew that I had been struggling, but I, I told him one day, I was like, Jeremy, I can't do this anymore. I want to be this baby's mom and I want to be a good mom and be a good wife. But right now I'm not a very good person. I just, I believe this thing about myself is I, I, I just, am not feeling like a very good person. I'm just going through the motions. And he said, well, and I told him all the things that I've been thinking and feeling. And he said, it sounds like you have postpartum depression without the postpartum. And Mm. so we started talking about, okay, maybe post-adoption depression. And then that's when Mm. I started to learn 
learn about this. And that really, so I have three things that really helped me. The first one was just recognizing it. And my husband helped me recognize it, that learning that post-adoption depression is a real thing. I never heard that term before, never experienced depression myself. So just recognizing that this is more than just first time mom feelings. Mm -hmm. This is, this is a mental, this is a lapse in mental health. Mm -hmm. This is something that, um, that can be worked on. This is not just how life is now because you have a baby. This is something that you can work on, that you can learn from and grow from and heal from. So I think just recognizing that, you know, this is normal. Um, I was talking to, so my husband and I have been in counseling for about a year now. And it honestly, it's just been the best thing we've ever done for our marriage. He's in medical school, you know, with adoption and infertility and everything. We just went to be better just to try and be better. And I was talking with our counselor this last week and talking to him about just post-adoption depression. And he said, you know, I think it's important for you to remind yourself that these thoughts and feelings are normal. You are normal for experiencing this. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. This is normal. So the first thing for me, just recognizing, learning about it, getting educated about it, um, and knowing that this is normal and my feelings are validated in the sense that I'm not messed up. I'm not, I'm not this dark, twisty person. This is just how it is. So that was the first thing for me was learning about it, being educated, um, and voicing it, actually saying to my husband, something is wrong. I'm not, I'm not feeling well. Um, and then number two, um, for me was I had to get into new healthy routines. So with this whole new life that we had with this new baby, everything gets turned upside down and you have to rebuild your life into, um, with, with new routines, new things that you do. Um, and for me, that was stepping outside of myself and getting physically active. So going outside for a five minute walk around the block or going outside and letting, my baby enjoy the sun and me just getting some fresh air, just getting outside of my house. Cause I was alone. My husband's in medical school. So I'm alone 90% of the time. Um, so just being outside of my house and getting some fresh air, going for a walk, um, and asking for help or letting people help. So all of my friends and family would say, well, what can we do to help? And I would say, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what you can do to help. Yeah. But when people would offer, Hey, can I bring a meal to you tonight? Instead of me saying, Oh, you're so nice. We're okay. Thanks. I would say, yes, please bring the meal over. That gave me an opportunity to talk to someone, to talk to an adult and also to let a person serve me. So that was another way that I could step outside of myself. Um, and then the other thing, um, was taking, changing the narrative changing the narrative and of how I was speaking to myself. So whenever I would have this thought of, I am the worst mom. I can't believe that I am a mom to this beautiful baby girl. Somebody would be a way better mom for her. Whenever I would have that thought, I would, I worked really hard on saying, we don't talk like that to ourselves anymore. 
Mm-hmm. We don't say that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I, I, I would even be cheesy and say it out loud. So I would have the salt wine changing my baby's diaper mm-hmm. and I would say, nope, we don't talk to ourselves like that anymore. You are this baby's mom. You are a great mom. And that, that was just changing the narrative of how, how I spoke to myself mm-hmm. um, was huge for me because it was another way of stepping outside of the situation, not being so internal um, about my thoughts and feelings, but stepping outside of myself and saying, this is not how we, this is not how we treat us anymore. And it sounds cheesy, but I would say that to myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so recognizing it, getting into a, a routine of stepping outside of myself, whether it was exercise, letting people help me or changing how I talk to myself. The last thing that I could think of was um, getting professional help or educating yourself as much as you can on overall mental health. So mm-hmm. for me, we didn't start seeing um, a counselor until quite a few months after our daughter was born. But I um, had a few friends that were counselors and I would reach out to them or reach out to friends and family that um, had a lot more education than I did just to learn. And um, I started making a list of daily affirmations. So affirmations was something that I had learned about and I thought it was super silly. Like people look in the mirror and tell themselves things. I was like, okay, that's super dumb. Like, and I could never bring myself to do that. But I had listened to some podcasts. I was just trying to get all this information. So I was listening to podcasts and reading books and, and talking to friends and family. And I learned about affirmations. So I made a list of affirmations. And I started saying those to myself every day and I couldn't do it in the mirror. Cause I just, I couldn't, I couldn't but I made these, the smallest on my phone. And anytime I was having a hard time or a negative thought, I would pull up that note on my phone and I would read them to myself. Yeah. And soon enough, all those affirmations became real and a part of who I was. So, so many things can help you with this, but those were my big three. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's powerful. I love that changing the narrative. I think that we don't, we utilize that enough either. I just, you know, we can't, we can retrain how we think. And it's just catching those negative thoughts and redirect them. And it takes time to like catch them, but pretty soon instead of like dwelling on it and letting that be a part of you, then you, you catch that and you're able to say, no, we don't, we don't talk like that. I love that. We don't talk like that to ourselves anymore. And that's so funny that like, you say that too, is it, it just, that takes so much practice. Yeah. And so, and like, I think too, in the depths of depression or really dark, gloomy days, mm-hmm. it almost can feel impossible to get out of that. And I don't think it is possible unless you recognize it, acknowledge it, get your education and share with people. Because if you're, I mean, I think depression can be such an isolating thing. And if you're not opening up, you can't get out of that. You can't even change the narrative in your own mind because you're alone in it and you can't, you can't do it. Filling up your head with like positive things or encouraging things or just helpful things or just even something like just a comedy podcast to get your mind off things. Sometimes that can be helpful just to, totally. to 
get out of your own head about some stuff. I used to listen to, um, are you familiar with Karen Purvis who did, who wrote the connected child? Oh, I've read the connected child by, by, yeah. Um, she passed a few years ago. She's this brilliant woman, you know, you know, you know, if you've read it, she's amazing. Um, she's the most soothing voice. And so I would search out like old YouTube clips or old podcasts that she was on and I would just have them on in the background. And like, I wasn't always tuned into like, what was she was saying, but her soothing voice and how she talked about how she talked to children was like, it, it helps me so much. <laughs> it sounds crazy, well, but no, it's not crazy. It's stuff like that though. That like, I like what you said is if you can fill your mind with positive and good things, that's such a great way to just step outside of yourself. And, and whether that's like music or whatever it is. And, and, and as moms too, I think it can be really hard to find things like that because you are home with your babies and it, it, it can be hard, but even, yeah, just a podcast or a show. I mean, what you said, I'm not sure. I, well, I can't remember his name. He's a narrator for the national geographic, like nature planet oh. and he has an accent and I love him. Uh-huh. But whenever I'm folding laundry, I'll turn him on and it like, yes, it just helps my mind relax. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. Hey, you got to find what works for you. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> At what point do you think that somebody needs to seek medical help? That's a really good question. I think that's such an individual um, thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually reading a book right now about depression because I am very, very uneducated about um, like clinical depressive disorder. That's something that I didn't know that much about and I wanted to learn more. So I'm reading a book on it right now. And, um, I definitely think post-adoption depression fits underneath that umbrella to some degree. Um, I think you need to seek medical help when you are not eating, sleeping, taking care of your basic needs. So Mm -hmm. for me, I definitely think I was right on that border Mm -hmm. when I got to the point of total sleep deprivation because of my baby being up all night, but also not being able to catch up, not being able to, um, take a nap and wake up and feel rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. Um, and not having any desire to eat, not even feeling hungry. Those are basic needs. And if you are getting to that point where you cannot even meet your own basic needs, I think that's a cue to go get some professional help or a cue to talk to, um, a counselor or doctor. Um, I think so often too, people overlook, um, talking to their pediatrician because you're always going to the pediatrician for your baby. Um, and that pediatrician, um, is very mindful and wanting baby's mom and dad to be healthy too, because baby's mom and dad take care of baby. So I think too, um, if, if that's your only opportunity to see a doctor say, Hey, listen, my baby's doing great. I'm experiencing this. Can you refer me to someone? And they have a lot of resources to help you. Um, Just because you're not taking yourself to the doctor when you have a newborn, you're taking, well, I mean, I guess if you have a biological child, you are, but with adoption, you're not. Um, I think so when you're not meeting those basic needs, I also think any dark gloomy thoughts about hurting yourself or hurting your child is a huge cue to go and get some professional help. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I didn't have, 
I definitely had dark and gloomy thoughts. I definitely had thoughts of, I hope I wake up and this is all over. Not to the extent of wanting to hurt myself or to hurt my baby. I know people though that have adopted that have had those thoughts. And I hope that they are not feeling guilty or feeling embarrassed about them. Does not mean you're a bad person. All of those thoughts that you're having do not define who you are as a parent. It defines the mental state that you're in. Mm -hmm. And it's... I think it's very difficult to step outside of yourself with that. So that's why I think it's so important to have your friends and family involved as much as you can in sharing that. But any of those thoughts or feelings of hurting yourself or baby is a huge cue to say, listen, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. I don't want to do this. Just a cue that something's really wrong. Something's wrong. Not that um, you would do those things. Or maybe you feel like you really will. Then that's when you need some help. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good advice. Can dads experience this too? Post-adoption depression. I would think so. In the study that I read, it talks about um, birth mothers and adoptive mothers, but then it goes into birth parents and adoptive parents. And so I would say the adoptive parents goes under mom and dad, partner to partner, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, what is your advice to adoptive parents who are just getting home and experiencing this or listening to this and thinking, okay, maybe maybe I do, maybe I am in this. What's yeah. your advice to them? So I would say advice for from for mom to mom. Mm-hmm. I'll do that first. For mom to mom, my advice as a mother would be, this is normal. You are normal. You are not broken. You are not, um, this is normal. I don't know how else to say it. This is normal. You will be okay. This storm will pass. Um, I think for me, knowing that I am the best mom for this baby was vital. And you are the best mom for your child. You are. This adoption situation and all the hard work that you put into this, the baby that you have is meant to be yours and you're the best mom for that baby and you're capable and this storm isn't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. You can do this. And then I also think depression is like any other illness. It takes time and work to heal. It will take time and work to heal your brain, but you can do it. And it, and you, you I keep saying it, but this storm's not going to last forever. You can do it. So that would be mom to mom for advice for, um, partners or friends or family who, um, have someone in their life who you may be, you you may think that they're experiencing this or just honestly for any partner or friend or family member who has somebody in their life that is in the adoption process or just has adopted. I would say, don't just assume that your people are okay. Don't assume that your people are just doing great and just doing totally fine because chances are they probably are doing well, but they could use some help. They could use a check-in. I have a really good friend who um, has dealt with um, depression, anxiety her entire life. And when she had um, her son, I knew that about her. So I would check in with her regularly, even every day, just saying, Hey, I know that you've dealt with this in the past. I'm just checking on you. How's your day going? And I, and I was surprised to learn that 
some days for her were really hard. And those were the days that I would run caffeine to her or run a treat to her or go pick up her other kids and take them to the park for an hour, whatever it was. I just, just don't assume that your people are good, that your people are okay. And, um, checking in regularly, even if you don't think you need to check in, I would say just check in. If you have that thought, check in with them, see how they're doing. Also, what I tell people all the time is don't ask how you can help them. I hate when people ask me, well, let me know what I can do to help you. Let me know. Let me know. I will never let you know. I will never let you know that turns out I didn't sleep for 12 hours and I'm a monster and I need your help. I'm not going to call you in that moment. I, I can't, I can't, I can't pick up the phone and say, I'm a monster today. Please, please come up. Please come pick up my baby. If it was my mom, I would totally call my mom, say, Hey mom, I'm a monster today. Can you please pick up my kids? But to a friend or a neighbor that has said, let me know how I can help. Don't say that to people. Just do it. Just say, Hey, I am going to bring you a meal this week. Does Monday or Tuesday work? Yeah. You know, just say, m make the decision for them or, Hey, I'm going to pick up your kids this week to run to the park and go to McDonald's, whatever it is, what day works for you and give them the option to say, Oh, thank you so much. We're actually doing really good this week. Mm -hmm. Or thank you so much. Tuesday at noon would be great, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. and just because just saying, let me know how I can do to help for a person that is in the depths of post-adoption depression, they're not going to tell you, Hey, I need help today. It's, it's too hard. It's too right. hard. Yeah. One, it's like a chore that you have to do. Like you have to think, come up with something that mm -hmm. they could do. And, and two, it's just, that can feel kind of empty sometimes. I mean, I know a lot of people say and truly mean it. Oh, it absolutely. Feel kind of empty. And so it's like, well, I don't want to like, you know, ask you to do anything. <laughs> Well, and as a mom too, like, I don't know if I know of a mom and this is something as women, I think we need to work on. I don't know of a mom that would say, Oh, can you please come clean my house? Mm -hmm. Like when you have a newborn and like with my sister, I was like, Hey, I know you have just had this new tiny baby. I'm going to come clean your house on Tuesday, yeah. you know, and just, just saying that or saying hey, like, just, just saying, this is what I'm going to do. What day works for you? Yeah. That's so much better than saying, let me know what I can do to help. Mm -hmm. And I think too, for a person that experience that, that's experiencing post-adoption depression, I feel like if I had had that, it would have given me another opportunity to share. And it would have given me an, another opportunity to say, yes, please come over. I would love to have a short visit with you. And that would give me an opportunity to say, you know, it's actually been a really hard day. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. Um, so it just is an, another opportunity for a person that's experiencing that to step outside of themselves and yeah. to change the narrative in your head mm -hmm. and do better and be better and be healthier. Yeah. So good. Thank you, Brianna, so much for sharing this. This is this is huge. I mean, just normalizing this and giving those resources to people, I think is, is so helpful and encouraging. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to talk about even a year after it's even healing now to talk about it and just yeah. bring awareness. So it was so, so good to chat with you.
Yeah. Um, do you have a blog or anything that people can follow if they want to connect with I you? I should have a blog, right? No. <laughs> I, um, people are more than welcome to reach out to me on Instagram. That's where I like to answer most of my messages. So just at Brianna Stone. Um, please reach out. I talk to people about adoption all the time. And I love, I love to just in, like engage and have a adoption family and and a adoption community. So reach out and it would be great. Okay. Love it. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks everybody for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to contact us, you can reach out through email to adoptionhacksinfo at gmail.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Adoption Hacks. We love those five-star ratings and reviews. We'd love it if you would write one for us. We are winding down on season three of Adoption Hacks. It's been such a fun season to do. And then we're going to take a short little break over the summer and then back in the fall with an exciting season four and some new changes so stay tuned for all of that and again thanks for listening have a great week everybody